thank God today. And this is Pastor Adams, president and founder of Truth Matters Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. So excited and delighted to be able to share with you these very important truths concerning the Word of God. And our desire at Truth Matters Ministries to, is to equip the body of Christ and to make a cogent and a very well-reasoned and balanced defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ and declare his message to a lost and dying world. And today we're going to be continuing in our exposition study of homosexuality. But before we do, we want to pause and we want to go before our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Father, we thank you for your many manifold blessings. We give your name praise today because we know that you are he who is sovereign of the universe. Lord, there's nothing that happens in this world. There's nothing that happens in our lives that catch you by surprise. Lord, you're omniscient. You know everything. You know everything that comes into our lives. And one thing we know for sure, God, that nothing can enter into our lives unless it first enters and is filtered through the hands of you, a loving God. And Lord, we know that you'll never put more upon us than we can bear, but you promised us that with every test and every trial, you will give us the means to escape that we might be able to bear it. And Lord, I thank you that you positioned us, Lord, and you prepared us to be able to accept the things that you allow those who are still suffering today through unemployment, those who are going through the stress and the pressure of being locked down and to, and to have social distancing and to have put off their entire lifestyle just to survive physically. Those who've lost loved ones, those who are afraid and have anxiety about what's going to happen with their relatives, their friends, their children, their dads, their moms, their sisters, their brothers, and all of their relatives. God, we thank you today that you see and you know, and you give them strength to be able to bear whatever test and trial comes their way. Now, Father, we thank you for all things. Let someone embrace the word of God today. Let someone look at this perfect law of liberty, which is a mirror, God, and let them see themselves. Let them examine themselves by the truths that will be spoken today in this podcast, that they might find liberation and freedom and deliverance. And it's in Christ Jesus' name we pray, amen. And we've been discussing homosexuality, and we've come to some very firm conclusions so far, but we want to just continue to look at some very important things as it relates to some of the genetic and biological aspects of the homosexual lifestyle. And if we look at what is called the historical record, the historical record indicates that man's sexuality is independent of genetics and those things that we call subjective experience. See, there are so many people who suggest that men randomly adopt homosexual tendency. And since they have those positions, we have to vehemently contest firmly documented concepts 
that that's true. And while we are vehemently contesting those concepts, those persons who hold to those concepts, they must also contest things such as the existence of God, the creation or the inerrancy of Scripture. They must be able to refute the authenticity of Scripture to continue to live in their homosexual lifestyle. See, the central battleground of the gay rights agenda aims squarely at the biblical position against the gay lifestyle. That's the center of the battlefield. But let's look at the facts. There are 330 million Americans and 1% are gay. And that 1% demand that the other 99% totally alter their ethics, their values, and their spiritual convictions to accommodate the 1% sexual choice. See, that 1% would have you believe that there is a tidal wave of gay people just waiting to break free from the religious and socially imposed restrictions on their choices. And that same 1% desires to totally dismantle the very moral structure that insulates our community, our society, and our world from moral decay and total social anarchy. That's right. See, we're told that heterosexual relationships are not the ideal structure for the family unit. Oh, really? Yeah. Gay activists like Rosie O'Donnell allude to incidences of abuse in heterosexual family units to establish the premise that gay couples raising children is a viable alternative than someone living in a socially abusive environment. There's some truth to that from a socially abusive perspective. See, Rosie O'Donnell also takes a worst case scenario of an abusive drug addicted poor ghetto dwelling heterosexual couple attempting to raise their children. She says the children would be better off living in a loving home with two gay people raising them. And there may be some immediate social or abusive parameters that could assent to that. But what about the spiritual? What about the moral? What about the ultimate consequences of modeling that template? See, we at Truth Matters, we don't question the ability of gay couples to provide a safe, economically strong household. We just oppose the foundational spiritual and social consequences of that hypothesis. See, psychologist Dean Bird, vice president of the National Association for the Research and Treatment of Homosexuality, he shares this concern. I believe it, it, it bears repeating. He states, there is a great difference in non-heterosexual and heterosexual children. Children from homosexual couples have gender and sexual confusion. Say that again, Pastor Adams. Children from homosexual couples have gender and sexual confusion. What else? And they're apt to be more promiscuous. And they more often abuse substances. And they also more often commit suicide. Researcher Barbara Iso, she came to a similar conclusion in her report, Recreating Mother. Listen to this. 
she mentions a case study of a boy named Nick. And Nick was being raised by two homosexual men. She mentions how Nick experienced developmental problems and fantasized imagery of a mother figure. He affirmed that Nick constructed his fantasy in an effort to fulfill an innate desire to be a son to a mommy. Dr. Iso concluded in her research that there is a programmed normal developmental forces at work that are natural. See, there are some well-adjusted homosexual families. They do well in school. They have no drug dependencies, and they do contribute to the society. This does not negate the body of evidence that demonstrates that heterosexual families produce a drastically more balanced, adjusted child because of the male-female modeling. See, there are many instances where there are single-parent families. These families often overcome the obstacles of having only one parent, and the children do well in life. However, the overwhelming percentages of the children from one-parent families do have acute occurrences of drug abuse, school dropout rates, teen pregnancies, incarceration, instances of suicide. See, it's similar to my cousin Wally in Arkansas. He lost his foot when he was a young boy. But with a determined attitude, he overcame it. And with the prosthesis, he was able to walk. He raised a family, start a business. Although he was able to overcome his loss of a foot, no one would believe that one foot is better than the two that God gave him. You see, many who support homosexuality often make mention of the alleged natural desire they claim they have been born with. Now, we at Truth Matters have attended to the testimonies and studied many persons who claim that they were born gay. There have been studies conducted of those who conclude that sexual behavior is as simple as a glandular development or a hormonal level that's perhaps out of balance. See, a study of one homosexual versus two heterosexual male triplets found that the homosexual triplets scored more on the female side of the masculinity-femininity scale of the Minnesota multifacet personality inventory, suggesting a possible hormonal influence decreased androgens involved in male homosexual orientation. What are you talking about, Pastor Adams? All of the studies reporting possible hormonal influence on homosexuality suffer from the lack of any real evidence that hormones actually play any role in sexual orientation. Hmm. The fact that contradictory studies report increased versus decreased androgens as a basis for homosexuality doesn't provoke confidence that the proxies are really true. Obviously, a study that documented real hormone levels as opposed to proxies would probably provide more definitive data. Now, let's just let's just dig a little bit deeper, and this is going to be a little technical, so I want you all to really put on your seatbelts and, and hold on and capture this. Now, there are other studies involving what is called rare 
hormonal imbalance, congenital adrenal hyperplasia or CAH caused by defective 21 hydrolase enzyme. It suggests that hormonal abnormalities can influence sexual orientation. The CAH results in increased production of male hormones during development. In males, increased androgens has little effect. However, female fetuses that developed in this environment develop ambiguous external genitalia, which complicates subsequent development. In utero treatment with dexamethasone reduces the androgen imbalance, resulting in an individual who is genetically and phenotypically female. However, dexamethasone treatment also results in reduced homosexual orientation among treated females, suggesting that some homosexuality may result from hormonal influences during development. Homosexual rights group have suggested that dexamethasone treatment be not given because it reduces homosexual orientation in females affected by the CAH. In a 1997 study, homosexual persons were examined when that homosexual person died. And when they died, they examined their hypothalamus gland. It's a gland that has a Uh, It's a major gland that determines the temperament and personality and behavior within people. The results indicated that when you compared the hypothalamus glands with heterosexuals of the same age and gender, that their glands had definite differences. Now, this was interpreted by those who were homosexual to mean, well, see, there's all the proof we need. The hypothalamus gland was different in those who were homosexual, so this proves that homosexuality is innate or inborn, and it was perfectly within the will of God. God ordained it to be so. That's the conclusion that homosexuals came to. And it does sound plausible at first glance. However, me being one who has studied human anatomy and psychology, It is an established fact that the manipulation of the hypothalamus gland can acutely affect behavior. What do you mean, Pastor Adams? It is vital that we also remember that behavior can affect our hypothalamus gland as well. Okay, how is that? How how can we approve that? Well, let's look at this example. Our heart is our most active muscle. It will be strong, healthy, and vibrant if we choose to exercise, if we eat properly, and don't do bad things like smoke cigarettes, right? But if we choose to eat processed food, trans fats, eat a half a pound of sugar every day, smoke two packs of cigarettes every day, never even walk or exercise, and are about 120 pounds over our optimum weight, our heart will be drastically different from the one who is healthy. If a pathologist examined the hearts of the people who exercised, ate properly, didn't smoke the two packs a day, compared to the persons who did have very poor eating habits and never exercised, would he conclude that the people with the unhealthy hearts were born that way? Would he? Would he conclude that the bad, diseased heart caused 
the poor health choices? Would he? Of course not. Now let's consider the following. The born gay argument gains no strength from the belief that what we are is what God intended us to be. See, God's word and experience tells us that this is not so. Birth defects and ills are not what God intended, but are the results of what? A fallen sinful mankind. David laments in the book of Psalms that we are born in sin in Psalms 51 and 5. Paul contends that we have a lifelong struggle with sins in Romans 6 and 7 chapter. See, the traditionalists like we here at Truth Matters view homosexuality, attraction, or orientation as a result of man's fallen nature. The homosexual behavior is a deliberate immoral response to that fallen nature. We may concede that orientation is involuntary. People don't choose to be attracted to the same sex any more than a person chooses to be born with the sin nature. However, the bulk of our evidence points to the origin of homosexuality being biological, psychological, environmental at its root. Now, given the interplay of such factors, it is affirmed that homosexuality is developed rather than inborn. Say it again, Pastor Adams. Homosexuality is developed rather than inborn. What else? Homosexuality behavior is discovered, not chosen. Once a person discovers their orientation, they have to act on that orientation. Just like you may have to have an urge to curse someone out or punch the person who cuts you off while driving. You might want to do that, but do you really do it? There has to be a decision to redirect the urge or to just go with it. This is when human culpability comes into play. Conditions may be involuntary. Acts are chosen. Conditions may be involuntary. Acts are chosen. It is difficult to resist deep grain sinful feelings but this is the challenge of all fallen sinful men now I want you to look at the following three points that summarize the traditional response to the born gay position what's the first one well homosexual tendencies occur early in life and remained ingrained homosexual orientation is not chosen but homosexual behavior is Say it again. Homosexual orientation is not chosen, but homosexual behavior is. What's the second one? Unchosen, unchangeable do not mean inborn. And finally, inborn does not mean normal or God-ordained. See, Many conditions may be inborn, but their origin does not determine their morality or normality. Such determinations require a more sustenance standard than the explanation being that I'm just being born or I was just born that way. 
This is the illogical premise that gay rights supporters want us to validate. Now let us continue down the glandular hormone road for just another moment. See, all of us have hormones within our bodies, right? We have two primary sexual hormones. The, the predominant ones are estrogen and testosterone. Men generally have a dominant supply of testosterone and women have a dominant supply of estrogen. Isn't that correct? Now, these are the foundational hormonal components that provide our sexual drives and impulses. They are not the only ones, but they're just the dominant one. Now, me, as a man, I'm attracted to women. In 99% of cases, masculinity is attracted to femininity. Now, from a purely attractive posture, I'm attracted to women. But there are other factors that impact my involvement with members of the opposite sex. The question is, are there any moral restrictions? Well, since I have a wife, are there limitations to how I govern my attraction to women? Are there? Definitely there are. If I'm a single man, should I engage in sexual intercourse with one partner? How many partners are acceptable? In a heterosexual environment, there are also considerations for sexual behavior. Now, what are some of them? Although I'm married, should I follow my hormonal urge or my hormonal impulse to be sexually involved with any woman that I'm attracted to or choose? Are there any parameters in life? Are there really any true absolutes in this world? Are there any rights or wrongs? Is it all only relative and left up to the mundane hormonal urges of the individual? So this is the dilemma that we're in. In this postmodernistic world in which we live, absolutes and propositional truth are being discarded for what we call a relative whatever you feel, whatever you like motif. The world's contemporary culture suggests that absolutes restrict our freedoms and it's considered archaic and Elizabethan. The old ways of thinking and the burdensome constraints must be replaced. I find it interesting that people who want to live anyway and just do anything are very happy to submit to the things like absolute agreements and contracts that are designed to protect us and, and our society. Now, we don't want to have any restrictions. We don't want to have any mandates. We don't want to have any laws, right? No boundaries. But at the same time, they want to live in the protections that come within society. Now, I'm going to give you some examples. If you work a 40-hour week, those people who don't want to have any restrictions or any mandates or rules, if they work a 40-hour week, they're absolutely demand their check, don't they? If they get rear-ended in their automobile at a stoplight, they absolutely want to get their car fixed. They want to be indemnified, don't they? If they pay for their utility bill, they absolutely demand that the lights and the heat and the power be on and working, don't they? They pay for an airline ticket, and if they arrive at the airport, they absolutely demand a seat to fly to their destination. Now, this may be extreme, but if they utilize a daycare center and the staff inflicts physical abuse like black eyes and body whelps on their child, they absolutely demand legal action against the perpetrator. 
If they're admitted to the hospital to have their tonsils removed and the surgeon makes a mistake and removes their left leg or their arm, they absolutely demand reciprocation by suing the surgeon for malpractice. Why? Because there is a principle of absolute right and wrong in our society. It's two sides to the coin. You can't have it just one way. It's two ways. We live in a world today where there are laws, there are rules, there are things that are right, there are things that are wrong. But yet when it comes down to our homosexual lifestyle, we say, where there's no right or wrong, I just live my life any way I want to live it. See, this is a fact, along with the acceptable and unacceptable behavior. For if there is no right or wrong or absolute laws, we are exposed to harm. We are open to calamity and chaos in the world. What if there were no signs or speed limits or right-of-way regulations on our highways? See, we still even have them, and we still experience thousands of accidents and thousands of people dying every year in, in automobile accidents. If we compromise absolutes and guidelines, then we must applaud people like Adolf Hitler for his concentration camps because if there are no rights or wrongs, if it's all just relative, then how can we even point a finger and say it's wrong to kill six million Jews? We must also celebrate Roe versus Wade and applaud the 60 million babies that have been aborted along the, along with applauding the pedophilia and the pedophile who rapes two-year-old children and sells them into child pornography. It's all relative, right? The Bible and its restrictive moral teaching should not be even a consideration, right? See, within the church, there are so many people who claim to be Christians, born again and filled with the spirit who are also gay. This is why we have such a huge compromise, and this is why we're no longer change agents of the society, but we're nothing but microcosms of it. Even the church, too many in the church, they feel that they are spiritually all right to practice homosexuality because they have talents to teach and they can speak well and they can sing and play instruments and love to have what we call the drum major mentality. They enjoy the, the exposure in the church social genre. They love the atmosphere and the activities. And many enjoy the platform the church environment affords. <laughs> and they have flourished because pastors more concerned with the political, financial, and post-modernity posture have provided a total blind eye, a silent tongue, to the homosexual behavior in the church today. Many will say God condemns adultery. He also condemns fornication, Pastor Adams, and liars' emulations as well. Should we not permit adulterers and fornicators to sing in the choir, dance with the praise team, play the music in the music department, and even preach sermons? The scriptures does provide ample examples of unbecoming conduct in the church if you look at Titus 2 and 3. Gay pastors with perverted biblical perspectives defy the clear teachings of scripture and they start churches lauding their first gentlemen.
posing as a legitimate representation of God's voice and spiritual leaders to the body of Christ. God, you help us today. And we thank God for you taking time to listen to this Truth Matters podcast on homosexuality. And our intent is to not be abrasive or coarse or condescending. But our only intent is with as much love and as much truth and balance as we can supply is to give you the truth of God's word and the truth of science and the truth of biology and the truth of genetics so that you might understand and you might be able to break free and walk in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. In Jesus' name, you pray for us. Amen.